we use these shortcuts basically to identify um, to make good decisions basically yeah. right so social proof is one what's everyone else doing I don't want to think about it I just want to know what the what is out of five Tell me if it's a 4.8, go, let's go. Let's go there, it's 4.8. I don't have to make the decision. Sales, marketing, automotive. Jason Harris has done it all. This is the After Hours with Jason podcast. After Hours with Jason podcast is sponsored by DDS Beer Club. Beer specifically crafted for hardworking sales professionals. Find out more at ddsbeerclub.ca. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, tonight to come out and see me, Ryan, Jay. You guys really, really appreciate it. Uh, super excited to introduce you guys to the audience. And in fact, actually, that's where we'll start. If you can, just introduce yourself. Um, tell them a little bit about who you are and the background so we have some context. Uh, my name is Jay. I come from Sherway Nissan. I've been, I guess, running that dealership since 2003. Wow. Yeah, um, I know. You say that loud, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've uh, been in the industry for as long as I can remember since my dad first got uh, Scarborough Nissan in the 80s, and then I just kind of grew up with cars all, the whole time. The, the uh, tour at NADA um, for uh, dealer management, and, and then just been with Nissan for this entire time. You stuck through the good and the bad and the new? Good, bad, and the ugly, for there sure. There were a couple of years there. That was a yeah. little rough. <laughs> Especially <laughs> in the early early 2000s, for sure. What the hell were they making? <laughs> but hey, that was then. This is now, so we don't have to talk about yeah. that. Ryan, how about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Ryan Austin uh, with Gubigoo. Uh, we're a leader in uh, communication and commerce solutions for automotive dealerships. Unlike Jay, I haven't spent my whole life in automotive. Uh, I actually come from the software industry. It's okay, we won't hold it against you. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I've been in automotive for now the last five years, mm-hmm. uh, but it feels like I'm learning something new about the business every day. Uh, so yeah, um, we, uh, we're based in Florida, but we have uh, customers uh, throughout North America and uh, the UK and other areas of the world. And yeah, happy to be here. That's cool. So now our you call this home or you float back and forth been here in Florida? No, I live in Toronto. Okay. Yeah, cool. so our headquarters is in Florida. We actually run a fully remote um, team uh, for the, the uh, team that I, w- I work with, mm-hmm. so, which is actually a really interesting um, dynamic and challenge of running a remote team in 2019. It's yeah. a very interesting problem on its own. Um, so, but I spend most of my time in Toronto. Well, cool, yeah. cool. All right, guys, like I said, I really thank you, for, thank you to take your time and come out here and hang out with me tonight. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons I really kind of want to bring the two of you guys together, because I think what's so cool is that we have that in-dealership experience, you know, the person that's really kind of controlling and molding and pushing those processes, you know, and then that online experience and what you guys are doing from, you know, the tech side to really kind of enhance that online experience and help that customer kind of a move along. In fact, actually, I think that's probably a great place to start because you guys are doing some pretty cool stuff right now. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit what you guys are working on. Sure. Yeah. So we're we're best known, you know, over the last seven years as a leader in what most people would consider to be live chat mm-hmm. for automotive. Um, you know, it's really a communication platform, but I think that the easiest way to to understand it is live chat. Um, and over the last year, uh, we've spent a ton of focus on bringing the customer um, deeper into the deal 
on the website mm -hmm. uh, with uh, live chat communication. So um, when a customer is inside a chat, uh, they can now calculate a payment. Um, they can value their trade-in, real payment, and mm -hmm. see real offers from real lenders um, down to the taxes, the dock fees, um, all that. Uh, they can uh, view real rebates and incentives from the OEMs. Uh, they can view accessories as well as F&I products. So really allowing them to conveniently um, build their deal from their couch mm -hmm. uh, with the support of a live specialist um, that's staffed by either Goobagoo or the dealer is able to communicate with the customer while they're in that process as well and see everything that the customer is doing. So they're able live. to use the tool together then. Yes, exactly. So you can be communicate. You can see that a customer is building their deal. Mm -hmm. You would get a notification as the dealer, and you can reach out and chat with that customer in real time while they're building their deal. And that's pretty cool because there is there. I mean, I would say a dozen or so other products that are similar out that. But I don't know if any one of them. Maybe I'd have to take a look more into it. But ones that are actually you where you're actually doing it together. Yeah. Most yeah. of the ones I've seen have been kind of that self-serving, kind of walk you through a kind of process. Yeah. So, do you know? Is that just you guys, or there is there others too out there? Uh, there's there's another one that's trying to do it as well. Okay. Um, but for the most part, you're correct. Um, they're all self-serve models. That's pretty unique, right? Yeah. That's a unique that's, feature. Yeah, and that's really what our coming from uh, the core competency of being a communication platform. Mm -hmm. We have that expertise, and we actually felt that the car buying process is not the same as much as the industry wants to say it is. Uh, or some people, some people maybe think uh, it's not the same as purchasing... Um, something on a you know a book on Amazon or a, a, a um, whatever you're buying on Amazon, right? A TV. Yeah, right? it's not the same e-commerce process. No, yeah. not at all. I mean, it's much, it's much more. So having having someone there to assist you through that process is is pretty unique. Yeah, we call it a guided shopping experience. Right. So you guys are currently right now in beta test in the U.S. Yep. And when do we think us dealers up here in Canada are going to start playing with it? Uh, it's hard to say. I think it'll be towards the end of this year. Okay. Yep. Um, I'd like to beta it. There you go. Look at that. There you go. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I, um, no, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you as one of the first dealers uh, here in Canada. It's going to cost some money, isn't it? Uh, For you, Jay, it's free. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Thanks. We'll put them on the spot right now. Let's just get the whole deal done. <laughs> what do I sign? <laughs> yeah, I've, actually, I happen to bring a contract with me. Look at that. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's cool. Uh, that's exciting. I mean, I think yeah. that's um, it's almost like a concierge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can I help you with that. So, yeah, that's a perfect analogy. In fact, actually, that's kind of a see. The advantage of people getting into digital retailing right now. Look, at the end of the day, we're all going to be there. Okay, I look at digital retailing in the in the same sense of um, websites. At one point in time, right? Not every dealership had a website out there. In fact, we actually had to convince dealerships to actually start a website. And when the first dealerships that did started doing websites, they had a branding opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In fact, actually, I remember running print ads saying, guess what? You can shop online now, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 a year, uh, days a year. Just visit www.so-and-so-and-so, right? Same thing that's going to be happening with digital retailing. Those early adopters are going to get that opportunity, that branding opportunity. At some point in time, everyone's going to have an e-commerce type solution embedded into their website 
or that will be their website. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I think this early adopter is going to have some advantages for sure. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in terms of what the end um, result turns out to be. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how many consumers are actually going to end up, you know, buying, buying, fully buying a car online. Yeah. Um, it's hard to imagine that it would be a majority. No, but we're all going to get closer. It's not, it's not necessarily, I mean, digital retailing is not all about all the way going to the end of the transaction. It's about allowing the consumer to work with that concierge. In fact, I really like that analogy because that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. What that is, it's mm-hmm. a concierge, right? Mm-hmm. As, is giving them the ability to go through step three of mm-hmm. 10 steps and then saying, no, I'm good. I can go into the dealership, but then pick up from there and continue that process. Or they go to step five or seven or Maybe they go all the way to step nine. They're just one step away from finishing the entire transaction. Mm-hmm. But then they decide to go to their ship. And it gives them the ability to pick it up and just continue to run with it. Yeah. And you know what? I think it comes, like a big sort of theme of it is transparency. Yeah. So like when you can actually build your deal and you're communicating with someone on the website. In real time. In real time. Yeah. You know that what you're doing right now is is very, very close to the experience that you're going to have when you come in and you're not going to have sort of like, I thought I had the pain, I, ha- I thought I had this payment because that was what was on the website or there was some um, promotion, mm-hmm. uh, OEM, OEM special or whatever it is. And then I came in and I had a totally different uh, experience from what my expectation was set on the website. So. But I think a lot of the problem comes to with confusion on what's on the website is basically OEM websites as well. They make things so confusing yep. on their sites that when customers come in and they, they expect a payment that they get from our OEMs, that they think that we're somehow lying to them. Misleading them. Misleading yep. them. And it, it's an uphill battle to mm-hmm. explain, no, you have to realize that the OEM website is explaining payments wrong, basically. So, so what is the disconnect there? Is it is it because that deal had a certain amount of uh, that deal that was offered by the OEM had a certain amount of down payment. Was it because of credit when they came in, or what is the typical disconnect? The disconnect is basically not reading the fine print, mm-hmm. right? Where it really is. It, they so read the on fine the lease print. payment, yeah. they they say zero down. The fine print says no. You have to pay your freight air taxes up front. Or um, let's say if you they put in a, um, some sort of rebate that they're not eligible for, but the consumer thinks that they're eligible for. So it's all of this small little prints and the nuances of what the consumer is looking at that is the disconnect when they come in to get a payment. For the longest time, they actually had wrong payments on a finance because they weren't calculating the finance payments correctly. And, and this was going yeah. on for years and years and years. And finally, they, they, they got on top of it. Cause so much so, payments. but they're still not freight and PDI. Yeah. And then, then you the, have air taxes and other stuff that don't get calculated because it's a, it's a nationwide thing, not an Ontario thing. Yeah. Yeah, it gets a little confusing at times, mm-hmm. right? As well as our, our biggest beef is with accessories. Mm-hmm. The accessories that the OEMs will tell you it's this amount of dollars, but when we try to put it in for that amount of dollars, we're losing money because they're not calculating the installation cost fee, or or they're not they're not allowing the the dealership to to I guess we're selling the accessories on their behalf and not having any gross to, to work with to try to, to yeah and, and, that and that's where I see where digital retailing will give a, the dealer more control of that now accessories is that a part are you guys going to include that in your suite yep, as well absolutely so okay. there's a step for accessories and when we 
the important thing is on the onboarding with the dealership, mm -hmm. you need to make sure that everything's matching up to the dealer's expectations of how they do business, right? So it's a process match. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Like, so you look at the accessories. Okay. What are your top four accessories on these vehicles? And we make sure those are showing up and make sure the prices are good for you guys. Like mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing, but it's not, it's not easy. Like it takes a lot of, a lot of work working together to get these things right. You know, different dealers have different ways. It's not a plug and play. Like, no. It's not going to be, a lot of people need to understand that this is not a magic diet pill, all right? You're not going to, you know, buy this product, slap it on your website, and immediately start selling cars. There's a there's a process that needs to be mm -hmm. go to this. Yeah. So are you using um, your own software for calculating these payments, or are you basically using the information from our websites to, to and rely on our website or the OEM website to... to calculate these payments? Yeah, so we use third-party data providers for uh, various different elements within the experience. So with respect to calculating payments, we use a third-party data provider that has the OEM incentives. Um, it would be different in the US than it will be, the provider would be different in Canada than the one in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and sorry, what was your, yeah, so we're not taking it from your website, but what we do is we, we load when we're onboarding a dealership. We load up the payments on on your exact vehicles, and we say like, okay, how does this look, right? Some dealers may want, um, they may have additional discounts that they want them that they want actually set out and visible to the consumer. Um, for example, there's 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 examples that we've had where only after the customer enters their personal information can you show an exist uh, an additional discount that the dealer has based on state, so that's mm -hmm. in Texas. So the zero is like, they have a discount pre the customer putting in their contact information, then after the customer puts in their contact information, they show another discount. Oh, that's interesting. So there's all these nuances, but it's just important that you have that communication with the dealership so that you can match it up and make sure that everyone's expectations are, are set and, and everything looks good. Well, and I think that's going to be key. If, if any if any of you guys out there are considering to get into digital retailing and sign up with, you know, one of the dozen companies out there that are offering the service, is that you really got to make sure that you identify what your process is and make sure that the product is in line with that. You know, you don't want to be buying something that's going to just dictate the process. You need something that's going to change your lease bend a little bit to what the original sales process is in the first place. You need to put the work into at the dealer level. I mean, yeah. you want to have these conversations, you, you know, people are building deals on the website. If sales you, people need to be trained. That's managers right. Need or to be BDC trained. or whatever it is, right? I mean, so, they all need so to be trained. So that's actually kind of where I want to hear kind of more on your side, Jay. Now now you've kind of heard what's what's coming down the pipelines and, and there are similar services out there now that exist. How do you see something like this playing out inside your dealership? Well, it's interesting that you know you're you're interacting with the customer to build a, a deal and and potentially sell a car online. But I still still think we're still far away from that based on our on the rules that we have to sell sure. a car at the dealership, mm -hmm. right? And 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 that e-commerce world, I don't think we that we're still far away from that still. Um, so I don't know how that is going to play into our um, environment at the moment, but mm -hmm. it, it would. I like the idea of of being their concierge. I'm going to trademark that. Thank you. 
Um, Good luck. Well, it is. It's kind of cool, right? It's it's a hands-on, very very transparent kind of process where you get to work with them online, side by side, and kind of build out what this deal is going to be. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you think about the. I just think about the time. Uh, impact on the sell that it's going to be because now this kind of allows me to structure my deal or at least structure let's say 70% of the deal 60% of the deal even 50% of the deal right before I come into the dealership and I mean how does that kind of change I mean instead of being a two to three hour process um, I, I, I just think this could easily turn into a 45 minute to an mm -hmm. hour long process mm -hmm. could be the other you know? question is what does that do to your staffing needs yeah because I agree. now, you know, instead of one deal taking three hours, it takes 45 minutes for a salesperson. That's the other question is, how do we increase traffic into our showrooms also? So yeah. it's, it's, it would be a good problem to have, I think, mm -hmm. to, to have more time for our, our salespeople to, to follow up with potential clients or to, to um, do some prospecting. Um, but in this day and age, the competition is so fierce, it's just trying to get them into the into Look, the and I think that's a really important part. I mean, look, last year, 2018, the first year that the U.S. has ever dipped under 17 million units in sales. You know, I mean, that's, it's, that's a big deal. I mean, we look at, you know, 2019, just the Canadian market, you know, most manufacturers are not expecting increases, and some are actually planning and, and, and preparing for decreases in units sold and if they are talking about increases they're very 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 minor it's just going to continue to get tighter and tighter out there so you know having you know it's like what can a dealership do how do they differentiate themselves you know as the market starts to get tighter everyone is focusing on that in-market customer dollars are increasing it's funny i actually see ad dollars increasing so it's it, it's funny that i see Numbers dropping, but ad dollars increasing, which just means people are getting more competitive. Mm. It costs more to acquire a customer. It does cost more to acquire a customer, right? Um, and look, we, we look at our website. It's still, even today, our website is still, in, in theory, a horrible converting tool. Like, there's no way this. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of unique visitors every single month. You know, I only get a couple, two or three hundred people walk through my door. Like, we're not talking about a great conversion here how many more people can we push through the door if we really start to change what that experience I looks also, like I also think the the part of the reason why there's um, a, it's challenging to get people in is because we, mm -hmm. we don't train our staff well enough to convert those leads to come in 100% and there has to be a better um, way to um, follow up with these customers and make sure that you know, I'll see more often than not, they'll send maybe one, maybe two emails and then forget about it. Yep. And, you know, a lot of times I'll even just ignore emails because I'm too busy and then I forget about it. Like, honest mm -hmm. to God, I'll forget about it and I'll, I'll come back to it and I'll say, oh, I should call that salesperson because I really want to get a stereo or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think our, our, our sales staff right now is just, they don't want to get into a confrontation. They're scared of that. Sure. And... I think if, if we can somehow train our staff to better, it, it's always a training thing, I think, when there has to be a, a, a better way to, to communicate with these potential online customers, I think. Well, no, you're 100% right. I mean, look, less cars are going to be sold this year. Okay, so if we don't increase your percentage of that pie, 
then you're just not going to hit target. No. So, you know, I mean, it comes down to, you know, it's funny. I see more ad dollars going into the system, but I think that's kind of back-ass backwards, right? It's like, how many times can I really, you know, bang over the head of a customer that you can lease a Nissan Rogue for $69 a week? Like, enough's enough. You know, I mean, how many times can I really repeat that message? I think what we got to start doing is looking internally at our training and our operations and our coaching processes, but then also trying to find ways to differentiate ourselves. That's why when I hear digital retailing, I get excited about it. Because I think back of that day when I first started in the industry and, you know, websites, not everybody had them, you know. It was, it was a way to differentiate us um, from all the other dealerships. Mm. And I see digital retailing doing the exact same thing. Mm. But yeah. yeah, and it's like a lot of uncertainty. I mean, like, uh, uncertainty around, like, at the time when websites came out, it's probably a similar thing. You're like, okay, oh. how, how big could this thing kind of be? People thought it was a fab. Right. Right? Yeah. The internet was a fab. It was going to go away. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. But it's it'll be very interesting. You know, I wish I had a crystal ball to see where it's going to be in five years. Because um, it'll be, in, you know, these changes happen very slowly over time. No. So. And, and that's why I think it's cool to hear from the vendor's perspective where you see it coming. And then also from the dealership's perspective, you know, where, it sees, where you see it coming. Jay, what do you see? Have you guys started having that conversation about, you know, what what does differentiate you from those other dealerships? Has that started to become a conversation yet at the dealership level? I wish it would be more. Okay. Um, you know, we have so many good people, and yeah. and trying to get that word out is 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 tough. And mm-hmm. the only way we can do that is to to try to get our reputation management to work on our reputation management get our, our our reviews up and going and make sure that we're we're you know at least a four point whatever versus a 2.5 on Google or or Yelp or whatever it is and you know we get people that come to our dealerships based on our reviews because they see oh this is how they treat their customers mm-hmm. which is usually respectful now, I heard the new base bar from Google. I don't know if you guys have heard this. They put this out there because they, they, they see, you know, what how people are engaging with those business um, business pages. If you maintain a 4.8, okay, between a, not a 5, but a 4.8, all right, the customer is less likely to deep dive into what your reviews were. I mean, it's just kind of like it's almost like, oh, they got a 4.8. I just kind of click on in. Anything under a 4.8 to a 4? They're deep diving into those reviews before they click over to the website. I think it also depends on how many. I that was have, an interesting stat, right? Yeah. So if you have a, a, a company that has a four point eight with ten reviews, I'm sure a number does probably play in that as well. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're like in that you know five hundred to a thousand reviews and you're maintaining a four point five, that you're probably have the same conversation as you know if there are a lot of people. If you look on um, Travelocity, is it Travelocity mm-hmm. or one of those travel sites? You'll see some some reviews with like thirteen thousand yep. reviews, and then you see a four point five. Like a four point four is good enough for me for thirteen thousand reviewers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I look at one that has a hundred and you know four point four, then yeah, I'd look into their reviews as yeah. well. Yeah, sure. I mean it's credibility. Like the less obviously you know if if you have a business, any business that has a low amount of uh, customer reviews, you're gonna even you're gonna question like okay, you know how. 
how what how much credibility does this business have? Have they been in business a long time? Like, why do they have so few reviews? Right. So I'll, uh, for those companies, I'll, when I'm reviewing someone, I'll actually put worst reviews first and read the, the well. Bad you want to consume, but I think what it is is you know, and, and I think that's a really important uh, a really important. Uh, topic to push is that it's not just what they're saying but also what the company is responding, responding for sure is plays a huge role because like we're consumers we're smart I mean we want to learn I mean you can learn the most I, I reread the reviews before I go to the website so, in fact sometimes I'll just read the reviews I don't even go to the website you know mm -hmm. it's like if I'm gonna go choose a restaurant I'll read the reviews before I even go I don't need to go to it's like I know that they're a Japanese restaurant yeah. you know and I read through the reviews I see what other people are saying I'm like yeah, all right I'll go there yeah, website won't tell you anything for restaurant. No, really. it's yeah. not going to give you yeah. any information. No. Right? You want social proof. Yeah, social so, social proof. Social there proof, we go. Yeah. I like that word. Yeah. So the actual the concept of social proof. Um, there's there's this uh, book um, called uh, Influence. Mm -hmm. It's by Robert uh, Cialdini. It's a very famous sales book, and it goes through like five or seven um, core attributes to like sales tactics, actually compliance specialists. So these are like okay. tactics that compliance specialists sales, I'm doing the bunny ears, um, <laughs> that the, uh, compliance specialists use social proof is, is a huge one, right? Mm -hmm. We look, we use these shortcuts basically to identify, um, to make good decisions basically. Yeah. Right. So social proof is one, what's everyone else doing? I don't want to think about it. I just want to know what the, what is out of five? Tell me if it's a 4.8, go, let's go. Let's right. go there, it's 4.8. Yep. I don't have to make the decision. Or I, I it's a shortcut to the decision, so. Yep. Yeah. When I'm looking for techie stuff, like uh, noise canceling headphones, sure. right? I, I just I just want the best one, and one with that has a lot of reviews. And that's, yeah. that yeah. As, as long as it, the review's high, I'll just, I won't even test it out, it's good enough for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are you going just going to Amazon, looking at the reviews? I just Google. Google. I yeah. do filter on Amazon by reviews. Uh huh. Like I do, because some sometimes I'll be like, oh, I just bought some mic equipment, right? Mm -hmm. And there's an obscene amount of mic equipment on there. So again, it's just like, just filtered, put it through the one with the most reviews and the highest average. I'm like, yeah, there you go. That's the product. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. just gonna stick in that place, right? Yeah. Easy one. So that's so that's a great differentiating factor. How are you guys implementing that and working on that inside your guys' dealership? With reviews, you mean? Mm -hmm. Um. We make sure that every single review is uh, good and bad mm -hmm. um, is responded to immediately. So, um, with all the good ones, I'll thank them for for leaving a review, and the bad ones, I'll, I'll try to address their concerns. Um, some, I, I think it's important to identify who's responding to these reviews at your place. That would be me. See, I think that's really important. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, we're, we're coming from the top. All right, that's who's responding to these reviews. So you're responding to them in the level of you're able to make decisions and authority, right? Yeah. These aren't predefined responses. No. These yeah. are very candid responses from yourself. Yes. The other important point of that is that <coughs> you as the the owner of the business, you you are hyper aware of like what is happening, what what your customers are saying about your business. So mm -hmm. you're not dis, you're not detached from you know what's going on sort of on the floor um, you're actually seeing what customers are saying the experience that they're having is really really important and that's a good point which mm -hmm. um, I saw a lot of feedback and negative negativity on the way we handle phone calls being dropped and so on so I've just made a substantial investment in upgrading our phone system from a VoIP to now a PRI because the VoIP system was just 
not cutting it for us, even though it was very, very inexpensive. But <laughs> so you actually took action on it. I took so action. You saw on what it. was happening, and that's, that's it was, enough was enough. And we we said, okay, we got to change our phone system because it, it's costing us business right now. Mm. I think that's a great habit that all general managers, dealer principals can actively get involved in is because you're collecting information straight from your customer's mouth. And if you start to see a pattern, like what you've done, you identify the pattern, acknowledged it, took action, you know, now it's no longer gonna be an issue. And we'll just kinda of, you'll kinda of continue to watch that, right? And a lot of times these these people who leave negative reviews, they just want to be heard and they want a response. Some are looking for something for free and some are generally they just want to hear back. And I've I've converted probably six or seven one star reviews to a four or five because I addressed their concerns and they were super happy with the way we handled it. And one person actually just recently um, bought two cars from us. Mm. So you'll see that on Google review, uh, I think near the top right now, it just <laughs> happened. So that's, that's a great point about the, the flip side of an unhappy customer is that it's an opportunity to delight that person and make them a customer for life, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, which is what you did there, which is amazing, I love that. Two thumbs up. Um, I have a question. So yes. what are you doing to promote cons uh, customers leaving reviews? So you want to get more reviews. What do, yeah. you, what do you do there? So we, we use a vendor that um, that allows us to send a text to their cell phone directly mm -hmm. um, to um, follow the, the link and they can leave some feedback about the, review, uh, about the experience that they have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the... The hard part is trying to get a process consistently in place where everybody is being asked all the time. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes salespeople forget or they're lazy or I don't know what the story is, but it's just a simple question saying, hey, Jason, I appreciate uh, you trusting me with this car purchase. Could you do me a huge favor and uh, leave some feedback about the service you received? And they'll say, yeah, of course. So I'm sure. just going to send it to your uh, to your cell phone and just follow the link, and that would really help me out. Could you do that for me? Say so, sure. Everyone's happy. Well, it's humanizing it, right? right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but we, we try to encourage uh, all of our customers to to leave a review, and mm -hmm. and it's using this uh, vendor to to do that. Great. Yeah. It's very cool. Uh, and but I think that's key is that with every single. Uh, differentiating factor or opportunities is that it really what comes out of that is a process. It's 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 a tool. You guys are using a tool, but the tool is supporting with the process that you're creating at the dealership. And the better you hone that process in, the better the usage of the tool becomes. And I'm sure you guys are seeing the exact same thing on your side as well with live chat. Yeah, I mean it's it's all about the process. It's listen, like the people like you said earlier there's no it's not a magic there's no magic bullet right yeah. silver bullet whatever um you know i think that where we where you get the best results is where you have great technology utilized well mm -hmm. right so um there's very few scenarios out there where um you know a, a, a piece of technology or software will um produce um, results in a set it and forget it kind of manner. Sure. Um, so, for instance, with live chat, 
um, is a perfect example. We, the technology uh, that we provide um, engages the consumer to get them into a conversation. And we do that using various different strategies, such as um, presenting a message in the greeter uh, based on the vehicle that they're interested in, which we can detect by their behavior on the website. And that increases the uh, probability that they will start a chat with us. Sure. Once they get into a chat, there's tech there that's going to help them have a great experience and convert them into a lead. But there's also a human, right? That human needs to be trained. They need to be nurtured. They need to be supported. They need to have the tools. But I mean, without without the human um, or the dealer who can jump into the chat, um, that magical experience isn't really going to happen, right? Now, AI is doing more and more, uh, and um, that's definitely coming into play now. However, we're not we're not at a point yet where delightful magic experience like customer experiences are happening um, I think without a human involved yeah so but the, the you know the best experience that happens within a lot of that for us is when because we, we have a method for the dealer to jump into the chat right mm -hmm. um, the best experience is the cost the consumer gets into the chat uh, operator starts qualifying them answering their questions at a high level and then a well-trained dealer jumps into the chat and goes deeper with the customer yes. about their specific deal and like building their payment for them or you know telling them um, about um, you know the inventory that they have that'll fit their needs right now or whatever it is right something deeper um, at a more detailed level that is the best chat experience that I have seen to date um, uh, in automotive well because it's it's actually utilizing the tool. A tool is only as good as how well someone utilizes mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think that's actually probably a good segue into kind of what we can talk about next is, look, from the dealership's perspective, and you know this fully well, is that we invest in a lot of different tools and a lot of different products, you know, but it's how do we really capitalize, you know, the usage of this technology, the uses of these products, you know, to the highest level. First, you gotta you gotta vet the product. Yeah. Make sure that it's something that you you need. Um, there's you know I get hundreds of calls. I know, right? Trying to get <laughs> you know one one from Goo Goo and <laughs> hundred from Goo Goo. Hundred from Goo Goo. <laughs> no, you've been great. Um, and, and you could have the best platform for something that will help your. Your, your dealership, but if you don't have the process to um, keep it consistent, mm -hmm. then it's it's good money being wasted. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of um, a couple of uh, vendors that I, I like. I didn't have buy-in from my staff, and it just didn't work out. So it, it is what it is. So but the buy-in's important. Buy-in's very important. You have to have buy-in from your staff because it's. You know, you live and die by your staff, and mm -hmm. if they're not using that um, product, then there's no point in going with it, right? Sure, sure. I think you need to show them the value is like how you get that buy-in. You need to show them not even what the value is, but how this helps them be better at whatever their whichever level, whatever they they're are, doing. Whatever they're right? doing. How is this going to help me sell more cars? How is this going to help me make more money? 
how is this going to help me be a better version of myself mm -hmm. de depending on what the tech is right that's kind of the the i think the getting to the we call it in product getting to the aha moment and the aha moment really is not like oh i see how this can be a useful tool it's more i see how this can make me a better version of myself or make me sell more or make me you know better at what i do or whatever right yep yeah so um that buy-in is is key and I don't know if it's in the dealer world or a, it's a general human um, thing, but it's 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 challenging from a vendor perspective sometimes to, um, you know, get the uh, I suppose attention or um, or get that buy-in at the sort of at the like the BDC level. I, I mean, I think it's because everyone's busy, right? We're all very busy and uh, everyone's trying to push stuff on us our email inboxes are are blowing up you well, know even from a salesperson's perspective or management's perspective i mean i have seven different products yeah. or tools i got to use on a daily basis yeah. yeah i got a dms system i got a crm system i got a lead management system mm -hmm. all right then i have an inventory reporting system you know and then i got a deal scheduling system and then i got it, it, it's it's a lot. Yeah. You know, it yeah. is a lot to look at, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I agree. I think buy-in is that very first that part. And then once we have that buy-in, obviously, then we can start developing out and, and building out those processes. Now, the cool thing is you get to be on the vendor side. So you've seen a lot of implementations on a lot of different dealership levels. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's probably a pattern to the ones that succeed and work and do well. Mm -hmm. And then the ones that kind of don't. You started. Have you identified any of those patterns or anything you can kind of share with that? Yeah, I mean, like, what I see, and it's it's kind of a feeling, you know, mm -hmm. just thinking about the dealers that are really successful. Um, you know, I think the ones that have uh, internet departments and BDCs and people who are focused on structure. So yeah, structure. Okay. Yeah. So like they're focused on. Um, I wouldn't call it single task, but they have like a very focused Four. mandate. Yeah. yeah. So um, we see those implementations uh, being very successful. Okay. Um, and, you know, I would also say this is, again, just a feeling that it's more like it's probably a lot to do with the culture at, at the store. Mm. Right. Okay. So if you build a culture that's about learning and nurturing and growing, um, then they will flourish and they will use um, they will use the strategies that will um, best make them successful mm -hmm. um, because that's what they want to do. They're not just trying to get through the day. And that doesn't just go with dealers. It goes with every company, every person, right? Sure. Um, if you have a great team, then I think they'll pick it up and they'll use great tools. But the vendor also has to provide really great training so that um, they enable the dealer so that means like a dedicated account manager. That means um, proactively reaching out. Mm -hmm. um, that means you know weekly webinars. All those things that can engage the dealer and um, help them get the most out of whatever whatever software or vendor it is. Mm -hmm. So I 100% agree with that. I think it's really important that the vendors are proactive in making sure that whatever their um, promoting is actually being used because mm -hmm. it'll come to a point where something which you thought was being used is not being used and that's when we say 
cut it off if you're not going to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it comes with you know a, a cost benefit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, a good way to um, make sure that your uh, product is being used is engaging with that dealer all the time, uh, making sure going through reports saying, "Hey, um, I noticed that your uh, your usage has dropped down." Mm-hmm. Is there something else that I can help you with this? Is there, is there a report that you need that I can help you understand better? Um, and I think if we can engage the dealer in that way to help them understand that this is actually a tool that you need, um, it, it might help the dealer in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the vendors are just like, <laughs> we're all, again, I'll bring it back to this, is like we're all busy, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's busy. And I think you have to have empathy for people in other positions and how busy they are, right? Um, and so anything that the vendor can do to make the dealer's life easier by bringing them, you know, spoon feeding, spoon feeding. Yeah. Exactly. Well, right? I, I agree. It's not necessarily just about the tool that they provide, but the way they service that tool. That's kind of where we're going oh, yeah. on the vendor side. Yeah. Right? Um, it's how well we service that customer, how well we support that product, you know, mm-hmm. not just the product itself, but also the usage of the product and supporting the dealership in that pro- in those process efforts. You know, uh, I, I agree with you. I do find that uh, execution of a strategy does work better when there are people that are generally focused, meaning that's kind of their job title, mm-hmm. you know, um, but, but that's also kind of fine sometimes what the unfortunate part is, with with the Canadian marketplace is that you know because of the size of our volume and the size of our dealerships we end up wearing a lot of different hats mm-hmm. a lot of different hats in some cases I mean I can talk to I mean we'll look at just the receptionist for example right there's not a receptionist out there in a Canadian dealership that just answers phones like that doesn't happen right they answer phones. They do licensing. They register in vehicles. They stock in cars. Stock in cars. It, it's four or five, four or five different hats, right? So it's knowing that going into a Canadian space, I think it's how you're supporting the dealership with the usage of that tool is going to make a big difference. It's, it's. I think the fundamental difference between us and the U.S. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And it's a different kind of support depending on, you know, that some dealers may be like, I can only speak in our case, but they may be like, you know what, I love what you guys are doing. And, um, you know, hopefully they have some feedback on what we're doing. So always, um, it's certainly a two way, two way street there. But, you know, they might just be like, you know what, I, I don't have the, my team just doesn't have the focus available to jump into chats. Right. And that's okay. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You're still going to get the value out of the service, but if you can't do it, you can't do it. And it's about what works for you, I think, and not trying to fit everyone in the box that we think is the best. Sure. Um, so, you know, I think that that goes for for kind of every every uh, every service or or uh, piece of software. Like it's it's about what works for you, um, but the vet, the support has to be there. Mm-hmm. Like the support has to be there, otherwise. Um, uh, otherwise, it's going to fail. I mean, Jay, you've used a lot of different products, a lot of different tools over the years. I mean, you've probably started to see a pattern of which ones are working and why they're working and which ones didn't work and why they didn't work. What are some of the things you've noticed? I think the basic reason why a lot of things fail is execution of 
the process and proper training of how to use the tool properly. Even okay. if it's, you know, uh, even though we're a CDK dealer, I, I think mm -hmm. we maybe use like just a fraction of what CDK can do. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of dealerships use 180, but they only use a fraction of one what, what it can do. And that has to do with, you know, how robust that system is and also how well that vendor can train the people on how to use it. So is it us, the dealer, or I, is, I think it, it's a bit is, of both. is it the vendor? Is it, are we just, does everyone just kind of need to step up their game here? Uh, I, I think it's, you know, you can only lead a horse to water. Mm -hmm. um, the, the dealer has to be uh, willing to, um, that's actually not the dealer. dealer sh the dealer wants their staff to be properly trained. It's the staff that wants to be trained. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, Uh, from a vendor's point of view that the vendor has to be constantly encouraging um, communication between the vendor and the and the dealer and sometimes it, there's a disconnect where the dealer thinks something is happening but underneath their staff is not doing what should be done um, and I think that they're if it's something's not being done then the vendor should go to the dealer and say hey I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of a B and C nothing's happening you know I had a um, did a presentation for a new client the other day and they asked me really interesting questions for the first time I've ever actually had this question asked to me but they asked me what do the communications look like like I'm like that's an incredibly smart question so I had to ask obviously why they asked the question because it's the first time I ever read they're like what does a communication look like like when we have a question does it go through Hugh does it go through this person do you have a support like what is the support ticketing like They were very, very much so interested in that. Um, so I, I guess obviously I've come to find out that the similar thing happened. They got into something thinking this, but actually the vendor was here, and there was just a, such a huge disconnect in in uh, communication efforts or understanding of what the two parties were supposed to provide. There was just a very large, substantial amount of money lost. And I think that's what ends up happening, right? Is that Money gets lost, time gets lost, and then I think the consumer actually ends up getting hurt by it as well. So um, where was I going with Yeah, that? I think that comes with just experience of being in business, like okay. those coming up with those questions, right? So that, that, that potential client uh, of yours uh, obviously had experiences with um, mismatched expectations about mm -hmm. how communication should work between a vendor and and a client and i think those are the only you can only get those great questions with uh with time and experience and you know i believe like i always try and be a great you know uh ask great questions is the best thing that you can do so i want to but to what you were saying jay about using only a so, small fraction of of Um, say CDK or what have you um, you know saying so like I know they say with like Microsoft Word or Microsoft or, or Excel or whatever only you know um, I think it's 20% of the 80 yeah 20% of the features are used by 80% of the <coughs> users right meaning most people don't use all the features right so, and maybe that's okay you know but for the power users it's there So, but you also don't know what you don't know. Yeah, that's true. Like you don't know if they should be. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I don't know what's available. I, I, I you know, the, um, for instance, your your Goo Goo, um, platform where the the person can mm -hmm. 
jump into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know how that's being utilized at all. I know when I when I get a, a Facebook chat mm-hmm. with uh, Google, I'll mm-hmm. see the text going in, and then mm-hmm. I might jump in with one, and I say, "Well, did I just cut off the communication with Google?" Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you will. Yeah. So yeah. and then I have to continue with that conversation, yeah. right? So we call that a dealer takeover. And we but had, I wanted them to take over for me again. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. I want to go to bed. <laughs> so that's interesting, and we don't know that, but we may not do anything about it because most dealers yeah. are like, it, it'll create a lot of confusion yeah, or whatever. Sure. But um, you have to figure that one out on your own, I yeah, guess. It's <laughs> the great thing, though, is you could respond to the customer the next day. It's okay. Yeah. Because it's Facebook. So. That's Facebook. Um, but but it, it's, again, it's what we. We don't know what we don't know, and mm. you know sometimes I would like to see some of the features. I say, oh well, that would actually work well with our process, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that that was there. Mm. So how do you suggest that vendors best communicate that to you? I think if you do like a like a a monthly webinar on mm-hmm. on like for instance, if you, Apple does a great job, they have their 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 workshops, and they they have them set out every every day at different workshops on how to use you know iPhoto or the GarageBand or whatever it is and people just drop in and, and do that and I'm sure you can do that in a webinar as well mm-hmm. where you know we're busy but if we schedule a webinar for that day on you know what the new features of this platform can do then I'd probably jump on it for half an hour and hey that might work right hmm. yeah that's great and Actually, I think that's not a bad idea a little State of the Union kind of address, you know, to just all clients of what you mm-hmm. guys are working on and what we're doing. Heck, I could see us doing that. That'd be pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, so we, we do it every Wednesday, but I'm thinking that it's not effectively communicated to mm-hmm. everybody. It's I, just, just I, I going see, through my head right I now. I see weekly webinars from, I think it's Driving Sales, mm-hmm. and the sponsor sh- person would be Goobagoo or something. But I don't know if that is uh-huh. uh, a Goobagoo something yeah. or do you know what I mean yeah or, yeah or if it's actually you know them talking about a certain aspect of digital marketing and it's just sp- where the sponsor and you're this no so we actually host our own like See, for our customers that. exactly you don't know and that's the problem that's on us See, yeah. that's, cool. that's on us that you don't know so See, look, we're like fixing nugget. we're fixing this right here on the yeah, podcast bridging <laughs> bridging uh, but no I gaps. think these are really good in conversations had and I'm really mm. I'm actually glad that this is playing out right now in real time mm-hmm. because there are so many dealers out there and so many vendors out there that can relate exactly what's what's going on right now and hopefully they're, they're, you guys are taking a look at this and you're consuming this and you're going okay you know what maybe this is something i need to also address it's just how am i communicating how often what's the frequency yeah. and what's that method is it being completely clear that this message is not a sales message that it's a more of a state of the union type thing sure so you, you guys want, are doing it's the, an education you, you want yeah, to so educate. you're doing it every wednesday so yeah what, what is it like for you guys on a, on a wednesday yeah so on a wednesday what we do is webinar um, wednesdays webinar wednesdays yeah i think that's what it is yeah i I'm think maybe genius. it's the word webinar or something like yeah. that i don't know does that not seem to me when i hear that word it just kind of implies that it's a sell no, presentation. Not no, no, I okay. think it's more of a Seminar. educational yeah. thing. Does it? Okay. Yeah. Does it imply that it's an edu? Okay. No, yeah. I, I, wouldn't think. No, but I sense. think it's for, for, but for you, it's for you. Whatever's for you. Yeah. Like, he's not you. I'm not you. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm you. <laughs> That's true, J. You. <laughs> I had to put context to that because we're, we're all sitting scary. here laughing and no one, no, that was no one very at home listening. I love that. <laughs> no yeah. one at home listening actually knows what we're saying. So. Yeah. So uh, Jay's last name is you. Just for you guys who didn't get that, uh, <laughs> it's an inside joke that is no longer an inside joke. Uh, um, 
so yeah, in terms of what we do, um, oh, but I was saying like, but that's another really good, like, that's your experience. So you feel, mm-hmm. and that's okay. That's your, you know, that's based on your personal experience of the past. You associate webinars with sales type thing. Yeah. Right? Um, so, oh yeah. So what we do is um, we go through a brief overview of what the product does and all of our sort of like uh, benefits. And then we dive into our actual dealer facing application. Is this uh, the same message every week or is it a, a different message weekly? It's the same every week. So, yeah, okay. uh, except it would just get updated with new features, but it's the same every week. So, you know. So is it is it targeted towards your existing customers or potential customers? Only existing customers okay. can attend. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, anyone could i guess attend but yeah it's targeted towards our existing customers like yeah. even even if i were to get if i were to miss that if i could get a link to watch at a future date that mm-hmm. would you know probably be something i'd probably mm-hmm. save on my thing and just watch when i can mm-hmm. instead of being tied to oh i gotta be on this webinar because mm-hmm. we all get busy during the day and sure yeah makes sense and there's probably so many dealers like yourself that are that would like to, you know, see or, that or even somehow downloaded on a like a podcast or um, what do you call it? On I could see vendors. I can see the advantage why vendors could actually utilize podcasts for their existing customers, not necessarily for the acquisition, but just for existing. Mm-hmm. It's just putting out that because honestly, that's and that's good point for me and you. But you, we both kind of consume a lot of audio just with being at the dealership and then our travel back and forth between the dealership and it's it. I don't know. I, I don't get much time to consume much much more content than in an audio type format. Mm-hmm. I don't really have no time to sit there and watch a video. But if one of my vendors had a fifteen minute, you know, what's new, what's going on, what's what's hot with us, I could mm-hmm. easily subscribe to that and listen to that on my way home, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How yeah. even I got my gears running right now. I'm like, oh, maybe I should do another one of these <laughs> and just it's a podcast you know, network. You're gonna have the. I'm trademarking this too. Okay, there we go. I'm trademarking. Everything that we've spoken about. <laughs> well, cool guys. I actually think that's a wonderful place for us to stop mm-hmm. to stop there. And and um, I just wanted to really thank you guys, you know, for your time and coming out here. This was some great content, and I see that there's a lot of value out there for both dealers and vendors, and so much opportunity for all of us to work together, developing out new processes, utilizing new technologies as the most effective way we possibly can. So um, for uh, everyone out there that uh, would like to connect with you and don't know how to connect with you, how can how can they connect with you, Ryan? Sure. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Ryan Austin. Um, <clears throat> not even sure what my Twitter handle is. Uh, or go to you can go to goobagoo.com and learn about, um, you know, the company and, uh, and uh, see what's up there. Um, yeah. LinkedIn, if you want to reach out to me directly, is the best. Cool. Right yeah. on. Jay? You can always uh, email me directly at uh, jayyoo at sherwaynissan.com or just come visit me at the dealership and grab a coffee or something. That's cool. Hey, guys, thanks again so much. I really appreciate you guys this time. Thanks for coming out tonight. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jason. Yeah, thank you.